Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for TheMediaByUs.com. Joining me today is Chris. Hello. TJ. Hi. And I got myself a brand. <laughs> Hi. But anyway. Like uh, Justin Timberlake, SNL. <laughs> yeah. Channeling. Bringing on down to Palcastville. <laughs> anyway, been a long time. Shouldn't have left you without a dope pod to step to. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about what we've been watching and then uh, dig into the week's film, TV, and video game news. So does anyone want to go first? I want to go first. Do it. <laughs> so uh, I watched some newer movies. I'm trying to figure out what is the cutoff for um, what we watched the last podcast. Yeah, I'm unsure about that as well. Um, it's easy for me because my last one is Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to go first, David? Yep. Okay, so after that podcast, um, I watched a couple 2017 movies. I watched uh, Wonder Woman. I'm kind of, again, the second wave of, you know, you guys saw it, I know what you guys think, and then the hype, and then the backlash, and then all that subsides, and then I get to see it again. I thought Wonder Woman was wonderful. I loved it. It was like a really good movie. Nice. For me. Yeah, I liked it a lot, too. It was a lot more human than a lot of the current Marvel stuff is getting for me right now. I think Gal Gadot is really great in it, and uh, it just lo- I think one of the scenes of the year for me is her storming the, the trench. That was good. Just very, really powerful. It's super Zack Snyder. Her, like, walking across the battlefield in slow-mo with her hair blowing in the wind, deflecting bullets with her gauntlets. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, Zack, maybe I'm just allergic to Zack Snyder at this point. Yeah. I, I watched that, and I just, that, that's just very groany to me. Maybe maybe Zack Snyder's poison slow mo for you. Yeah. But I got more like um, more classic kind of action kind of movie than than that. Especially because the the music's so good. I feel like Zack Snyder. Oh yeah, the music I would think be is like the best part of that. It would be like you know someone singing Hallelujah <laughs> while that happens, or like yeah. it would be like Madonna's Holiday or some weird like music cue, or you know some drowning pool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the music Mary. Let the Nazis in the <laughs> They're the Jerry's in that one. Oh, all right. What did you think of, uh, of Act 3, of the, the big villain confrontation at the end? Uh, I mean, it was kind of silly. Okay. But I liked that it was a... Uh, the, the throughput of it was a nice tying thematic element that was like, you know, all the stuff is like, you had it in you the whole time. <laughs> it's the Space Jam juice. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was good, not great, I think. Was my take on it? I, yeah. I thought I was, it was pretty I was great. I was pretty blown away by it. I think mainly because my expectations were lowered for me. At least. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys did help David. What do you think about uh, something I liked a lot? And Brent, I mentioned first was the chemistry on screen between Pine and Godot. Oh yeah, I, I mentioned that too. It's it's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, real real sparks flying between them. I did like the scene on the boat when they're leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Good. I think a, a good chemistry and like a good romantic pairing it makes you kind of like yearn for them to finally like kiss yeah or something like that or you know have yeah. some kind of physical interaction and I, I did feel, feel that for them yeah you certainly cared more about their them than like say Thor and Jane yeah sure or like yeah. Captain America and like Agent Kobe Smulders whatever yeah yeah Agent 23 Michael Jordan. <laughs> Space uh, Jam. And last Got question. Uh, what did you think of the chemistry uh, of Dr. Poison? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Poison was a little weird, but... Um, I thought that Dr. Poison could the woman have, or the man? The woman. the woman. Yeah. I thought that she could have been really cool. 
because she had a re- that really haunting look with yeah. the pla- the plastic mask. Yeah, a little Richard Harrell mask. Yeah. Um, but she kind of wasted. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit, but I don't think they lean too much into that character. That She doesn't really like swing and miss as far yeah. as she's just like some extra set dressing. I just yeah. wanted to make a chemistry joke. Yeah. I thought they didn't lean on any villains in that movie, which is probably why I didn't love it. Yeah. I just never felt like there was a big bad. I want a black versus white kind of conflict in a superhero movie. Yeah. And if not, then I want it to be something like Logan, which is like way outside the box. Sure. No, no, I thought it was a little bit outside the box. I feel like it didn't really have to have a big bad. Yeah, the big... one of superheroes fought Nazis before. <laughs> they didn't fight they're not, Nazis. They're not Nazis. <laughs> um, other 2017 movie I saw, I saw Logan Lucky. I uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I loved it's, it. It's kind of a fun, uh, perfect little heist movie. I thought it was funny and just like supremely professionally executed. Yep. And like... Uh, just really appreciate that in a movie nowadays. And I think the the joke of the year probably for me, the prisoners riding demanding the new Game of Thrones book. Oh my god, so that was fucking so funny. fucking funny. It's so extended too. <laughs> so long. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it'll it'll get you giggling for a good ten minutes if yeah. you're if you're a Game of Thrones person, and even if you're not. But I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, some people said it was like uh, like making fun of Southern people, like. I mean, it is to a certain extent, but I thought it was pretty honest to a lot of what's inherent in the South. I thought Tatum and Driver had redeeming qualities to those characters. Yeah. Did. I didn't think they were like the butt of the joke or anything. Yep, and Riley Keough is also really good as the sister. Yeah. Yep. It's like, as far as entertainment goes, I really recommend it. For sure. I also saw Dunkirk. Yeah, it's and on my watch list. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I saw it on a laptop screen. So Christopher Nolan is probably rolling in his pre-grave right now. <laughs> this is going out there, but it was, uh, I just loved it. It I, is so tight. So incredibly tight, especially with for like, in the beginning it's like you see the three things, like the mole, the sea, and the sky, and it's like the one day, one week, you know, one hour, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh you know, is, why is everything a conception logic puzzle for him? Yeah, but right. it's really like, it's an emotional puzzle that I just kind of like tossed out, like where does all this stuff fit with like, it's all reaching the same emotional pitch and peak like anxiety all at the same time. So yeah. I thought it really fit like that. It, it's also, it also works with the storytelling better that way because like, otherwise you just have to wait the entire movie for the, the pilot show up. Mm-hmm. And then it would just be nothing but his the Tom Hardy scenes yeah. until the end. Yeah. And so this way you can tell all three stories at once, which I, I liked. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was... They did one of the smaller moments in the movie, which there aren't a lot, uh, <clears throat> is in the uh, boat that is marooned at low tide. Mm-hmm. Is inside the belly of that boat um, with the... The two young soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want to give it away as a movie that I know that TJ is going to watch probably very soon. Yeah. Um, but I thought that, that was like super tense. Not that the rest of the movie yeah, isn't, great. but that in particular. <laughs> yeah. Where it's you're finally there's there's finally a human ele- element to the conflict mm-hmm. that there isn't. It's you know Germany and is this big impending doom, and so is just time. And other than that, there's there's no real threat, except for like you know random dive bombers, yeah. and then in that the belly of that boat is just so so good. 
The interesting thing, maybe at the beginning you do, but I don't think you see a single German soldier or a single German face. I don't think maybe so. Maybe at the very, very beginning when they're shooting. Walking through the town. Yeah, but even that, they're like, you see fire from a distance and it's like being shot through the gate, but the guy's running away. First first couple of minutes, not a spoiler or anything, but it's really interesting for a war movie to, you know, they're just an impending unseen force. Yeah. Especially in that scene, it's really effective how they do that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the most <coughs> that you get is with the, uh, I forget what they're called, but the really huge bomber, mm-hmm. is that's like the only... Like, that and, like, the fighters, the German fighters, are the only, like, German thing that you see. Mm-hmm. In which case, you see machinery. You don't right. even see humans. Yeah, you see the, the in- industry of war. I, I thought it was phenomenal. I gave it five stars. Nice. It, it very quickly crept up my top ten. Same with me. Like, it was on there, and the more I'm thinking about it, the more it's getting higher. It's. I don't think that there was a two-minute stretch of dead time. Even if it was quiet, it's using the quiet to build human character. Right. Mm-hmm. Something that Nolan sometimes has, has uh, you know, people criticize him for. Yeah. Yeah, I need to see it again because I was, uh, I was telling TJ that the first time I watched it, I was so sort of wrapped up in the spectacle of it. Like, it, mm-hmm. I saw it in an IMAX theater with the whatever millimeter 70. print you're supposed to yeah, yeah. 70 millimeter. And... Uh, I think I was so kind of just like focused on like cinematography of it and just the beauty of it mm-hmm. that I didn't get as good a feel for the story as I normally would. A movie that I'm not paying attention to those things on. And I will say on a rental, subtitles, you know, that's the other thing. I, I heard that sometimes it's hard to hear what people are saying. Yeah. Because they got thick like Highlander accents or yeah. English accents that it was able to tell that and any... Tom Hardy wearing a mask again stuff I, you could hear really well. Yeah. I thought that was a little overblown too. He was, he was, I thought he was really good. Mm-hmm. Very very noble in the movie. Yeah. Um, I will say that I, I was listening to a podcast and they are very, the, the people on it were very disappointed that that guy never got to poop. <laughs> <laughs> the movie basically opens up with like the guy going to the beach like about to poop and then realizing like, oh, people are retreating <laughs> and he like picks up his pants really quick <laughs> they're they're worried that guy never got. Oh my god, that's another level of anxiety in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, go see that. And then uh, so that I did all that in 2017 to try to do do a little cram session. Oh, yeah, happy New Year. And then in 2018 is the year I embraced the rewatch again. Okay. <laughs> you watch Dunkirk again. <laughs> I watch Dunkirk. Load lucky. <laughs> well, I set off, and uh, these these series of movies just became available on Netflix. So I was like, I'm going to go through them. <clears throat> one of the, the first ones was one of my favorite movies of its year in the 80s. So um, <clears throat> I've watched almost every single Batman movie oh, since yeah. January 1st. <laughs> Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, getting a little dicier, Batman and Robin, woo! It's a rough watch. <laughs> and I immediately followed that up with Batman Begins, which was like a sublime experience. <laughs> In context. Um, just really enjoyed it. Especially Batman Returns, I think is an underrated classic if you go back and watch it. Production design is just exquisite. It's really good. It's incredible. Is that the Penguin? Yeah. Penguin. And, and who else? Catwoman. Catwoman. So one of the first movies I can remember where there was that multiple villains in a superhero thing. What? I said that white gold. <laughs> yeah. 
it really balances the villains pretty well. Um, there's still some cheesy one-liners and puns about cats and birds and penguins and stuff. But, but that's Batman. But that's Batman, and it's not in overt camp yet. Yeah. It's really, like, gothic feeling, the whole movie. And Catwoman is incredible in it. She is incredibly sexy and is really charismatic. And it's a really, like, transgressive character for, like, early 90s. Yeah. I've always thought, don't know the argument of, like, Nirvana was great, but they, like, paved the way for all this shit music in the late 90s, early aughts. Uh I was, like, kind of halfway trying to emulate them. I always felt that way about the production design on those first two, on the Burton Batman movies, because they took what Burton did, and then he left, and they were like, okay, all of that. <laughs> Neon lights everywhere. <laughs> it was just like, whoa. Well, everything's Fuck really like, breaks. it's like exquisite, but it's like, uh, it's very Art yeah. Deco, where it's like very severe lines and, and mm-hmm. grays and stuff. Right. And then in Batman Forever, it is like, everything is neon. God, man. Like, there's a street gang that just wears neon face paint. Yep. <laughs> and it's just it in black eyes. light all the time. It's, yeah. it's a it, real severe it change. It's just black lit city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the street lights are black lights. That's a movie it's I thought that was really good when I was a kid, and then I rewatched it about a year ago, and I was like, oh, this movie sucks. <laughs> I did not like it. Batman Forever, I it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I, I enjoyed parts of it. I actually kind of enjoyed the Riddler in it. But Two-Face is like so copy and pasted into that script. It's like every scene, he's he's like, me too, right? <laughs> <laughs> Joker's got, like, it's it's not Joker. It's the Riddler scheme, and Two-Face is just like, me too. I'm going to fire a gun and flip a coin. Yeah. He's got nothing to do in that movie. Yeah, I don't really understand his motivations whatsoever in that movie. Yeah. Just be crazy half the time. <laughs> half the time. Because the movie starts off, it's like Two-Face is already, like, kidnapped someone and a bomb's about to go off. And then from that, he's just, like, allows the Riddler to do some stuff and is, like, tags along. It's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> Brent made a good point. Just last night, me and Brent were talking about the Nolan trilogy. And uh, he made a really good point. I thought it was the uh, Dark Knight is maybe the best movie that has Batman in it, right? But Batman Begins might be the best Batman movie because the Dark Knight really isn't about Batman as much. Oh, yeah. I had that in my letterbox notes too. Nice about Batman Begins is, is the first Batman where Batman's the most interesting character, and then after that, I think it's still true. It's the, I think it's the only one. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I. I might push Maybe a little rises. and rises just a little. Just the the shit in the prison at the end is pretty cool. Yeah, where they're seeing Michael Jackson at him from the bottom of the pit or whatever. <laughs> Mama say, Mama say, Mama say, Mama. <laughs> I'm going foos row da. <laughs> What's I was trying to remember what you were talking. About. It's like I don't remember the scene where they're. Like, it don't matter if you're back or what. <laughs> It's all the people dancing at the bottom of that pit. So I saw a ton of Batmans, and uh, I really want to do next is HBO has every single Harry Potter. Yeah. I really want to revisit all those. It's been so long since I... I've I've never binged them all. I I watched a couple on uh, probably Blockbuster Rental, and then like HBO, and then in the theater as my progression went. But I've never really seen them in a series before. I've binged them a few times. Um, most recently after I read all the books for the first time but uh, it's the same thing every time for me it's like real slow for those first two movies and then it peaks real high for Azkaban 
and then it kind of plateaus and starts to drop off before Deathly Hallows start, and then it picks right back up again. I think I think somehow six, so Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows Part One, mm-hmm. I've seen the least of all of them, but I feel like I could turn the TV on at any part of the day, and Goblet of Fire or uh, Five, which which Order one of the Phoenix. Order of the yes. Phoenix, those two or Deathly Hallows Seven Part Two, they're always on. Yeah, especially Goblet of Fire. Yeah, which I love Goblet of Fire. It might be my personal favorite. It's the best standalone Harry Potter movie, too. Yeah. Um, it's just like a fun fantasy movie. Yeah. But, like, it, it is always on TV somewhere. Yeah. Freeform, like, once a month does just, like, a we'll show you all the Harry Potters today. Yeah, that's what we're doing today. Because we're Freeform. <laughs> we used to be ABC Family. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun, though, rewatching all this. Yeah. Who's your favorite? Dark Knight? Um, that's the only one that's like not on Netflix. Oh, uh, really? So I got I got to watch Dark Knight. You and probably Dark own it. I do own Dark Knight. Yeah, so I'm gonna watch it. Nice. Um, it's the only one that was in another room. <laughs> I, I rewatched I rewatched the trilogy recently. I was blown away by that movie. Would be excited to see somebody yeah. else. But of all of them that I've watched so far, and including uh, Batman Begins, Batman Returns is my favorite. Nice. I really recommend uh, giving it a shot. It's mm. a lot of fun. Fun. I watched the first episode of Black Mirror. I haven't seen that. I haven't started season four yet. It's like the we're still in season two. Okay, I won't speak too much about it, but it's it's a big. Uh, it uses Star Trek. That's I read iconography. It. Yeah, um, and it's it's you know really clever. Not not terribly soul crushing. That's what I heard about this season. uh, If that's an obstacle. I I heard that this season is less full of like soul crushing, like uh, inevitability of, you know, loneliness and isolation driven by technology. And it's more just empty and schadenfreude, which seems like a minor shift to make. But I I really do welcome it because it's hard watching more than one episode of Black Mirror. Really, yeah, right after the... When you feel like shit. You yeah. watch the first Black Mirror, it's like, I'm going to autoplay the next one. And it's, it's like, Netflix, what are you doing to me? It's, they should have some settings for that. It's like, you see, I don't know, really Antichrist or Nymphomaniac Volume 1. It's like, it don't immediately go into Volume 2. You only allow two episodes of Black Mirror a day. Yeah. <laughs> Decrease suicide rates. Um, but uh, the first episode is, is not soul-crushing, and it does have a grace note. And the, I think the thing about this season is they're all told from female perspectives this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. So that's uh, that's interesting. Cool. Something that the internet's already mad at. I was about to say, good, that'll piss off some people who are joyless. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, though. Hey, David, what you been playing? Oh, uh, <clears throat> I'm still playing Stardew Valley, actually. Oh. But uh, also, I got Question a, rescinded. <laughs> I also got an SNES Classic. Nice. So I've been playing. Um, You're one of the thousand who has one. <laughs> yep. The one percent. <laughs> <laughs> been playing Super Mario World with Allison. That's a lot of fun. Remembering all the secrets to get to the stuff. Um, just a stellar side scroller game. Also playing Donkey Kong Country. It's just uh, awesome and fun. And uh, personally, for me, putting a lot of hours into Final Fantasy three. For the newest format to play it in. You need to beat it on every available version. Yeah. But I'm excited to play a couple games I got on Steam, on some Steam sales. I bought uh, Hollow Knight. Uh, I love that game. I, yeah. And the, I recently played, picked it up. I played a little bit of it, and the art style is just so cool. And it's like a little Metroidvania-seeming type game where yeah. you acquire abilities. I haven't played a game that, that is as rough as that for like death punishment in a while. 
So, yeah, since like the the trend nowadays is like if you die instantly respawn and like just try it again. Hollow Knight is like if you die because you self make your own save points, mm-hmm. and if you don't make one anywhere near, like it is unforgiving. It's like all right, well you got to walk your ass back there. Yeah. So be be liberal with those is my advice. I've kind of dipped into the water. I started playing it without a game controller. Yeah, I have you, a game controller, but I just booted it up with really keyboard. It. It's it was a little tough, so yeah. I'm gonna switch to a controller. And I also downloaded, but haven't played yet, uh, getting inspired by some year-end lists, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. I'm really interested by that, uh, you know, quote-unquote walking simulator. Yeah. But just really interested with the art style and the storytelling from that. Yeah. From what I've, what I've uh, heard about it. I, uh, I heard, because I've been listening to the Giant Bomb like, year-end deliberations. Sure. And they talk about Best Moment, and Edith Finch has got one on there. It just sounds so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably pick it up at some point as well. Yeah, just I'm really interested in all the varied way to tell that story that they do. Yeah, it's basically this this woman is part of a family that is convinced that they're cursed, mm-hmm. or they actually are cursed, and so it's told through a series of vignettes about how each member of this family died uh, from the perspective of the person who died. So it's just you know, and some of them are like wacky, like Lemony Snicket style um, deaths, but some of them are like really tragic. And it just kind of like goes through, and then all like she starts figuring out like how come all these children died, and just kind of like pieces it together. Yeah, and the visual style is all different. Like one may be like pixelated eight bit thing, yeah, or sixteen bit, and another is like uh, this guy is a cartographer, so it's like an overview of a map, and you see like contour lines come in and kind of tell the story. Some of them through like all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'm just really interested in the variety of it. Neat. It's, it's it seems like the. If, if this weren't the year that PUBG were released, it seems like the indie darling. Yeah. Really, it seems like a art game. Yeah. Kind of. Cool. But that's it for me. What are you, you fellas? I'm short. I can go. Yeah. You're pretty tall. And I'm taking one from uh, taking one from TJ. Take as many as you can on so long. <clears throat> uh, well, I can take two, but I'm going to leave one. Uh, but I'm going to start with, uh, I, I also rewatched a couple of movies, which is not like me. Um, but I did it in 2017. Mm. Rewatched The Force Awakens. Um, Fun. After seeing, uh, and did we talk about Star Wars? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So rewatched Force Awakens after seeing Last Jedi. And uh, yeah, Force Awakens is just really good. Yeah, Force Awakens is really good. We don't need to keep saying that, but yeah, it is real good. Yeah. I liked um, it a lot. Yeah. Uh, I also rewatched the movie. Uh, does anyone remember how <laughs> Clueless ends? The movie yeah. Clueless. Yeah, the uh, step sibling, step siblings fall in love. Yeah, yeah. Is that? I mean, that's like that's like it's, a. It's a little creepy. Yeah, it's a little creepy, right? No. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's just like, like her big problem with him is that he's like a egghead college student, and never that like, this is her stepbrother. Yeah, he's older, and they're step siblings, meaning that they're forming sibling bonds as they're going to share, you know. Mother and father relationships. I don't think they ever formed those bonds, though. Huh? I don't think they ever formed those bonds. Well, yeah, because they're gonna fuck instead. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they can't be I'm, weird because they form bonds and I they mean, don't form them. I'm that, unclear the about that, their history. That that's that's my big question about it. Yeah, they were never because he he like shows up and she's like, oh, you again. <laughs> I love that this is a conversation we're having. I'm well, just excited about it. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's like, oh, you again. But they don't really go into like like so so. Her dad was married to his mom. Yeah. But 
Do they ever say how long that time period was that they were married that they were like cohabitating? I don't think so. See, that's like if if they if they etched out that detail, I would be either more fine or like more upset about it. Because if they were like, oh, they were married for like a year, he was already in college, they never knew each other. He also it can't be that long because Claire obviously remembers her mother and they're already divorced. Right. Josh and Claire's father or father <laughs> already divorced. You nailed two names that I wouldn't be able to pull out of the movie Clueless having just watched it like a week ago. And then you said father. <laughs> father and <Father. laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. I always thought it was... It, was, it wasn't anything that it hit me until like they're making out at the wedding. Yeah. And I was like, huh, I bet there's probably people at that wedding who are like, why is that happening? It gave me gave me pause. Like, I, mean, I, get, I get the pause. Because it's, I mean, it is like a, a revered teen movie. And, I don't know, just a little, little, little strange. Yeah, I haven't seen it in forever, but I remember that being something creepy in hindsight, thinking about it. In general, outside of that context, I think a stepbrother and stepsister being romantic with each other is creepy. <laughs> Would everyone agree? I mean, I think it depends on the situation. Out of sure. context? Marsha and Greg did it in the 70s. So. Who are Marsha and Greg? The Brady Bunch? Okay. One. Not in the Brady Bunch show. Yeah, they were like... In life? They were like super into each other in the show. I don't think they were making out, but... No, I don't... Freaking out. I don't think so. I think, I think that may be the Brady Bunch movie that came out. It was also the actors were... There was definitely tension. Any, and Greg and uh, Mrs. Brady. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. We recently rewatched the Brady Bunch, and I was, I was looking for that. <laughs> But anyway, I rewatched Clueless. I think Clueless is uh, weird, uh, but I can see why it's not. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just the to blanket something like that without context. I think it's hard to talk about. You're taking out the talk about it part, but like, sure, I guess if somebody I grew up with from when I was three months old till I was twenty, if I started banging up, that'd be weird. Yeah, yeah, but that's not the context we're in. So. You, make, you make a good point. It's about forming those, uh, if you have the time put in and they are your sister or, you know, that is your mother and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but also... It's just... unclear. Mother? Yeah. If mother. Like, uh, <laughs> did you watch that? No. That's what, that's I, what mother's about, right? I think it's going to be 10 years before I watch that. I don't know what the <laughs> ending's about. Um, but anyway, I rewatched Clueless. I apologize for watching it. <laughs> Talking about it. Watch it. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Uh, I watched a movie called Wilson. It is based on the Daniel Close uh, graphic novel. Sorry. Daniel, Daniel Close had, right? I am. I'm a really big fan of his um, and just kind of the, uh, the, the miserableness of his nature and the characters mm-hmm. that he writes. And oh my God, he misses on, on Wilson, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he was he, he was screenwriter on it, but uh, the the graphic novel Wilson is written <coughs> as a series of it's it's seventy single page jokes or situations involving the character Wilson, who's like divorced, grumpy, lives in Oakland, and takes his dog's dog on walks and basically mumbles to himself about like something because it was published in a periodical, mm-hmm. um, and so he broke it up and there was. A, one day compiled. It's Wilson. Um, but it'll be him in the graphic novel just walking along like muttering about like technology and how stupid it is. Someone will walk by and he'll carry on the conversation with them as if they've been in his head the whole time but they haven't and then it's all about like their reactions to him being a grumpy old fuck. 
which is really amusing uh, and just great signature Daniel Close. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie is bizarre in that it's called Wilson because it's about Woody Harrelson trying to find his estranged ex-wife and daughter that they adopted out. Like he's like a really like like redeeming character who's uh, like goes to jail and like really thrives in jail and his friends they have a scene where they show like he's friends with all like the neo Nazis he's friends with all like the black gangs he's friends with the Hispanics like this is the place for grumpy people jail um, which is a strange message but it's just it's just rough uh, and not not just because it's not very faithful to the source material but it's just it. It's a movie that has an hour and a half with not a lot to do, um, and so they, they tell stories that aren't worth telling, um, like him giving his dog up to the neighbor woman because his wife thinks that the dog is stressed out around her, and then there's like prolonged scenes of him being really sad when he gets out of jail that like the dog's gone. It's it's just bizarre. I was I was hoping for a little more. It, it's it's like about a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So I, I thought that maybe like, oh, that 50% could be for people who, who, who read it or it's for people who didn't read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was willing to, to flip a coin and I lost. And how was the chemistry with Dr. Poison? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the chemistry with, with Pepper, who's the dog, and all the passersby is great. Okay. Pepper is the star. Um, and then I'll talk uh, about one and leave one on the table. I, I really don't know if we watched it or not, or talked about it or not. But uh, I watched Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, with TJ. How was it? It was great. Yeah, it was great. It was fun. Super, Super fun. It wasn't like... clever. Yeah. Who won the movie? Jack Black. Jack Black, yeah. He has... He's, he is possessed uh, by a 16-year-old uh, Instagram-obsessed, social media-obsessed uh, teen girl, mm-hmm. uh, which is perfect, because he does the like oh my god like affect the whole time, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't seem over the top or cheesy. It's just it's perfect. Um, his like side conversations with the Kevin Hart character, who's like the big football player mm-hmm. in real life, about like you know like being popular, or with the other girl about like isn't it so hard to be a girl? Like they're just really good. Um, and he sells the character well, especially with a scene where they talk about uh, how surprised and excited she is about having a penis. Uh, yeah, she's really excited to pee. <laughs> this is so much easier. <laughs> why don't you come show me how to do it? Why, why is it Jumanji? <laughs> because Jumanji, the board game, after uh, it was in the kids' home, wound up in this like grunge kid's house and her parents his parents like brought it home like here like, we can play a board game like family board game night and he's like board games are stupid so they put it on his bookshelf and then he's playing a bunch of video games on his thing and Jumanji knows so it turns into uh, a video game console huh. life finds a way yeah <laughs> I was legitimately wondering why yeah, it was, How it into, bird, yeah. Board game it was, into it was a game. sad like this hell yeah, but we want to make a fun movie about your munchies. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the lip service. Though, yeah, at least. Yeah, um, Reese Darby is in it, and he's fucking hilarious. Love he, him. He's a NPC. <laughs> yeah, and it's when they that's my favorite part of the movie. I yeah, think, it's all the the characters. 
When they realize that they're like like definitely in a video game is when he like drives up in the jeep and he starts repeating things mm-hmm. because they just keep talking to him again and he keeps like welcome to Jumanji <laughs> <laughs> the doors on all the cars you just walk up to him and stand by and they just open <laughs> it's great so is it rewarding for video game players they make fun of some tropes yeah it is there's TJ said it when we left the movie is there's like enough subtle jokes for video game players. That it's 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 definitely worth a couple laughs, um, and they don't like hammer you over the head or really try and simplify like what video games are these days, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I definitely recommend it. Also, definitely aim for our age group and not like super little kids. Yeah, and doesn't doesn't try and like like really yank at nostalgia. Like it doesn't doesn't like bring back the Titsy Fly. It doesn't do like the. You know, I, th- I think probably the only thing they really call back on is the rhinos. Mm. And you see, like, Alan Parrish's name carved into a tree. Or yeah, it says Alan Parrish was here. Yeah. Mm. And one of the characters remarks, like, oh, I don't know who he was, but he, this used to be his house. And, like, that was that's it. Mm. Um, it's good. It's a hard PG, if that makes sense. They get away with some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely worth it. It's fun. Yeah. And uh, other than that, I've been playing a couple things. Yeah, tell me. We got a Kelly and I bought each other a Switch for Christmas, a Nintendo Switch. I've been threatening to get one for a while. Uh, I've played three games on there. One of them goes quick. Mario Kart Eight is Mario Kart. It's fun. Um, they added some assist stuff, which is kind of nice. Uh, you can't deliberately drive off track anymore. It kind of like eh, like just like nudges you back on track. Nice. Because I think they figure that a lot of people are going to be coming back to Mario Kart for the first time in a while. Yeah, and since probably. they're all, like, really new courses, they want to, like... And, I mean, there's, like, anti-gravity. There's, like, three different, like, vessels that you drive in during the course of a race. Mm-hmm. And, like, thinking that you found a secret and then, like, ruining your Grand Prix or whatever you're in the middle of. Um, it just kind of steers you away from that, which is kind of a nice quality yeah. of life change. Well, I did play some old Mario Kart on the Classic, and it is really unforgiving. <laughs> The first the SNES one is so Oh, yeah. Hard. The SNES one if does you, not give a you, shit about you. If you fall off the race and they put you back, it's like that. the race is over. Yeah. <laughs> it slows you down because you fell off the course. It <laughs> drops you so you lose all of your momentum. And it takes coins from you, which is the thing that helps get your like top speed up. Mm-hmm. Um, Rainbow Road on that on the SNES is fucking brutal. It though. sucks. It's impossible to see. Yeah. It's There's like... No walls. <laughs> yeah. You just fall off into the... <laughs> Over and over again. Um, other than that, I play. I've been playing a lot of Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it is a fantastic game about. And it's not about exploration, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Is it's, you know, you're dropped literally in the middle of post-apocalyptic Hyrule, and you're told um, there are there are four things on the corners of the map which might help you kill Ganon. Ganon is in the center of the map, like. You can do those four things, or you can go fight them. Um, if you can get there, then you can fight them. Um, but it's it's just really good um, having a great time with what, it. What is the coolest thing you've just found or stumbled upon? I, that's one of the coolest things about the game. So I've, you know, wound up in the Lost Woods, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of fun, uh, like really... Small detail, you know, Lost Woods is a thing since the original Legend of Zelda. Sure. Um, but instead, uh, like, to find your way, you have to 
light a torch, and whichever direction the embers are traveling as they come off the top of the torch is the direction you're supposed to move. Hmm. But so you have to like run, 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 stop, like see where they're going. So that was really cool. Then like when I finally like you know emerged through the lost woods, and there was like the master sword sitting there. Um, Powerful moment. Yeah, and then the Deku tree is right next to the master sword too, which is mm-hmm. cool um, from Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Neat. But the coolest one I did was there's this like little island which just like it looks weird on the map. So I was like, I gotta go fucking check this thing out, and it's like in a bog, and you go there and it's complete darkness, like like there's no light at all from anything, unless you light a torch. Or if you like fire, uh, like, a, like a fire arrow or ice arrow, it kind of illuminates as it goes. And it's a completely pitch black island. And you like walk through it and you find out that it's like a, these ruins. And then you climb up and you hear this thing breathing. And it's a, like this giant that you have to kill completely in the dark. Hmm. Um, which is it's just really neat. Um, you know, entirely optional, but really cool. Huh. It sticks out on the map like a sore thumb. So I think most people probably go there, but... Kind of, kind of fun that there's that kind of creativity in that world. Yeah, you just stumble across like all kinds of creative things. Yeah, I mean, it was like just like climbing up a mountain and a dragon flew by, and I was like, "Those fucking dragons!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, but yeah, Breath of the Wild's great. And we've also been playing Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, Kelly and I actually just did another big binge of it last night. We've been doing it in big chunks. We're probably two thirds of the way through, um, like the. The, the baseline, like the 70 stars equivalent in Mario 64, mm-hmm. um, not the full 120. So it's it's just delightful. Each each little kingdom you go to has its own theme and its own things that you can possess, and they're fantastic. Um, we just finished um, the Luncheon Kingdom, which is entirely, it's all like the little players, all the little characters are forks with chef hat that talk to you. But, you know, the big mechanic there is that there's a stew on top of a volcano that you need to get to. And you do it by possessing the little fireballs that are in every Mario game ever. Which can traverse the molten hot stew that's being cooked. (laughs) And you destroy tomatoes, which leave a puddle of molten tomato juice that you can jump into without losing the fireball. And you're just basically like hopscotching (laughs) your way up the top of a mountain. Fun. But it's really great. Uh... There's a there's a great homage to previous Mario games, including Donkey Kong, because Pauline from the original Donkey Kong is the mayor of New Donk City. New Donk City. Uh, and they throw a festival that is kind of in honor of Donkey Kong and Mario. And there is a song with lyrics that plays, mm-hmm. which is like a weird thing, like tribute to Mario. Like all the lyrics are like... I've, I've heard it. Yeah. <laughs> It's a little weird that it's in it, a Mario game. It's strange, but it's like when you start the festival, it's like it starts and it's it's kind of this like electro jazz and just like it really fits in a strange way. Um, Nintendo knows how to make a Mario game. They didn't fuck this one up. Mm-hmm. That's what I watched and played over the last month. Nice. You done good. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Um... I'm hoping for more crossover on my giant list. Uh, well, uh, Chris left one out, I think. Yeah. Some movies, I, I don't think I've been to the movies since we last podcast, so uh, I've, I thought maybe, I, for, I forgot that David had watched Batman. I, I was I thought maybe we had crossed over on the same thing when you, you were saying this just got added, to, this series just got added to Netflix, but uh, I'm interested. I watched, the, I watched the first Godfather. Yeah, I which, have that in my watch list to, to 
which go through. I've seen many times, and it still keeps getting better. Like, it's one of those, I keep finding the movies new, okay. Keep finding new things I like about it each time. Um, I'll actually save that because it's, it's, we're going to be talking about it in a, in a few weeks, probably. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I, uh, definitely recommend checking those movies out. Right. I've never seen Godfather 2. It's the, probably the best movie I've never seen. Yeah, so. I've seen it once. I don't remember a lot about it, so I'm really looking forward to that yeah. rewatch. I'm um, interested in, I've never even thought about seeing Godfather 3. Now that they're all available, it'd be yeah. fun to go, well, Godfather 1, Godfather 2, and just like my dip into Batman and Robin. <laughs> Do the Batman and Robin of the Godfather franchise. So Godfather's a really long movie, but it doesn't feel that long when I watch it. Yeah, like it, it doesn't feel long when I watched it's it. It's like two hours and 45, maybe. It's, it's nearly three hours. So many of those minor characters are so well done Yeah, that, that you're never really bored. Um, also, started trying to catch up on uh, trying to trying to learn more about the great directors in, in mm-hmm. Hollywood history, and so I just randomly picked one. I know the timing is poor because uh, <laughs> the, the, the news uh, favorability is pretty low on this guy right now. But uh, Has been for about three decades. Yeah, but I'm sort of trying to catch up on the Woody Allen movies. Mm. So I've started in the early 70s, and I watched uh, Bananas, which was pretty funny. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, uh, and then last night I watched Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask, which... Um, Man, answer a lot of questions. Yeah, that that movie. I mean, so that's what the movie is. It it poses as seven different questions, and each one is followed by a short, like little vignette, like a little sketch, kind of. Uh, yeah, and man, he crosses a lot of lines in that in that movie. It is it, there. There are definitely aspects of that movie that I am You're like clueless. Watch out! Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, this stuff's actually definitely, no matter the circumstance. <laughs> yeah. Woody, Woody Allen of today, watch out. <laughs> but there is the uh, there's one vignette I thought was h- hilarious, and it's the, uh, have you seen it? Yeah, is it the Gene Wilder? Gene Wilder, yeah. Yep. Gene Wilder with the sheep. Gene Wilder with the That's sheep. That's my favorite one. Is amazing, and... Uh, He's so, plays it straight. Yes. That's the best part. Yes, and the... What's funny is, even though he comes to fall in love with the sheep as well, but he, yeah. he, when the Armenian man is telling him that he's in love with the sheep, the camera just zooms in on June Wilder's face, and you don't see him. He says nothing for like 30 seconds, but you see him slowly process this information <laughs> that this man is is having sex with his sheep. And it is some of the funniest acting that I think Gene Wilder ever did. It was amazing. It's really good. I also watched uh, The Purple Rose of Cairo. There's a little out of order. It's mid-80s. But uh, it's actually what kind of started me. I watched it first, and then it made me want to go back and watch more Woody Allen movies. But it was it's a very sweet movie. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it's cute. I want to see it. It's cute. I really like Mia Farrow in that movie. It's the thing where the, uh, the she can interact with the movies, something like that? Yeah, so she's... Uh, <laughs> It's set during the Depression, and her husband is Danny Aiello, and he's just, like, she works as a waitress. She's not very good at her job, and uh, her husband just spends all his time, like, drinking with his buddies, and uh, he's a terrible husband. And so she just kind of goes to the movie theater every day and loses herself in the movies, and she goes to see this one movie called The Purple Rose of Cairo, so much that eventually one of the characters in the movie 
like notices her through the screen and stops the movie and is just like, why do you come here every day? And he's just like, it's please played by Jeff Daniels. And so he's becomes like taken with her. So he, it's definitely, it's like a magical realism movie where it's, he like, steps out of the screen. Midnight and, in Paris mode. Woody yeah, Allen. Yeah. Fun. Um, yeah, Woody Allen's kind of a blind spot for me. I've kind of gotten a couple, but yeah. I know there's, there's like almost every year that he's been alive, there's been one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I tend to really like his movies, at least in recent years. So Midnight in Paris, I loved. Um, so it's made me want to go back and, and catch a lot of the older ones. TV, I've been uh, I've been rewatching old seasons of Survivor. Filling um, in that gap that Survivor leaves. Yeah, the whole two month. Yeah. What am I doing myself gap? So I've watched. Uh, I had watched season one about a year ago, and then so I finished. I think over the past month, I finished season two, and then watched season three, four, five, and six. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh. So I'm going to do something for the website at some point whenever I catch up all the way on the rewatches and I'm going to rank all the Survivor seasons and <laughs> do like a viewer's guide for the uh, entire series so that if people want to go back and catch old seasons, they know which which ones might be worth checking out. And I, yeah, I mean, don't do it this way, but I picture you having a collection of VHS tapes like a serial killer <laughs> bookshelf the black with tapes. like the scrawl <laughs> little scrawl thing like season two <laughs> selected from the archives distribute and I've uh, before break and watch Survivor he has to like start a fire and put on his bandana yep and he a puts buff. on like latex, Don your buff. latex gloves yeah. <laughs> and his latex buff <laughs> um, here's a hat condom <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I've also been playing um, Survivor, <laughs> just in life. <laughs> we for- all play. <laughs> I'm forming a lot. You guys are my alliance. You're my main alliance. <laughs> We've all been hoodwinked. This isn't a podcast. This is just weekly travel. <laughs> <laughs> While you guys are sleeping, I go search for immunity idols. <laughs> just in case. That's why Brent always comes here first. He's looking for idols. <laughs> right out. He's here before Chris and TJ. And I'm just looking in the bushes outside a lot. <laughs> And they always win the rewards challenge. <laughs> Bring biscuits. <laughs> Sorry. What are you playing? Oh, I'm playing uh, Uncharted, the original Uncharted series, finally, on the, the remastered version on PS4. So I played through Uncharted Drake's Fortune, I think is the first one, and uh, got slightly further than I did on PS3 and still got to the point where I could not get further. Like, I couldn't beat these monsters that were coming out of the ground. And so I got frustrated because I, I played the game so easily up to the same point and then kept dying over and over and over again. So I got on YouTube and watched the end of the game because <laughs> I really wanted to play the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's the kind of game that lends itself well to just like, because the playing part of it is kind of secondary to the storytelling. Yeah. It's a narrative game. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. I just want, and I, I was like, I'm like 91% done. I just want to see how it ends. Yeah. Yeah. So I started playing the second one, which is a lot of fun. I really like the second one. And I've heard that they just get better and better. Yeah, it's so. one of the, the few franchises that I've heard that about. I mean, I think the uh, they released like a new game right after Uncharted 4 this year. Yeah. Uh, Lost Legacy. Yeah. Uh, that is supposed to be incredible. Hmm. Like, 
doesn't even have Nathan Drake in it, and it's supposed to be really good. Tell some side characters. After playing the fourth one, those side characters are interesting. Yeah. I played, only played the fourth one because it came out on my PS4, but yeah. it was a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah, they're really fun games. But uh, yeah, I've just been playing that lately. Cool. Okay. Uh, quickly, I forgot. Um, based on some Facebook chatter, uh, Kelly and I decided to check out Godless. Um, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to see that. It's on Netflix. Uh, Jeff Daniels. Really good. So I want to check it out. It's like a yeah. like a nouveau western. Really dark. It's got um, Michelle Dockery in it. Uh, Kelly recognized the uh, one of the leads from UK Skins as the character Cookie. I don't know if anyone else here is a Skins fan. I'm not, but she said that, and I went okay, and I didn't forget <laughs> it. But it's it's really good. It's really dark. Yeah. Um, it kind of Daniels is the the big bad, right? Yeah. It kind of that interests me a lot. Yeah, me too. It kind of centers around this town, La Belle, which all of the men died in a mining accident, and so it's just basically run by women. Hmm. Um, and then it's about those women in the town of La Belle and kind of the people all around them, um, you know, like mining interests who are trying to like revitalize <laughs> that after it collapsed. And uh, so a town run by women. The internet hates it. <laughs> yeah. You know, Michelle Dockery kind of lives outside of town. They blame her because she was married to. Uh, local Indian or Native American uh, who was killed by one of the men in the mining town. All of this is backstory. Yeah. It's just flavor. Um, and so they think that, that there was a curse placed on the town. So they kind of treat her as a, as like a pariah. Hmm. And then Jeff Daniels and the guy from Skins are just kind of in and out in the periphery. But my favorite side character is uh, Sam Waterston is in it as the ah. uh, as a U.S. Marshal. Daniels and Waterston together again. Yeah, nice. He's, he's the U.S. Marshal who's trying to round up a posse to go take on uh, Jeff Daniels' character's uh, like huh. brigade. But so far, two episodes. It's only like a seven episode season. So I think by the time we meet again, I'll have a full season review. But whoever recommended it on Facebook, thank you. Uh, I watched two older movies that I'll talk about real quick. Um, one was my first watch of Barton Fink. Ah, I've seen Barton cool. Fink. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. It's a weird and one. You're, you're a Goodman head, right? Yeah. I love you some Goodman. That's you're so good. good man. That's some great men in that. They, I read that they, read, they wrote that role for him because they were like, we don't know anybody else. You can be like so nice and then so evil. <laughs> we get the same movie. But uh, yeah, Barton Fink's really, really weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I knew about it was that there was a lot of argument about argument about what genre it is like is it a film noir or a buddy movie or a horror movie and then I watched it and I was like oh yeah because it's, it's a little <laughs> kind of all of those it's like I think it may be the most Corn Brothers movie out there that's what Brent said I think it's yeah. the least Corn Brothers movie out he there said, really? he said it was it's the, the least only one with supernatural things in it literally the only one yeah but as far as like the <laughs> the, brother. the weird uh, a brother has supernatural things right Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, I think, is the least Coen Brothers movie, though. That's what I actually picked as least Coen Brothers. It's up there. I was trying to think what would be supernatural. I mean, I mean he's not really a cyclops. <laughs> Blood? Uh, I mean, that's just good far, Farmer's Almanac reading. <laughs> well, I guess it is. That's weird. I just never thought about it. <laughs> nothing like a good Farmer's Almanac reading. Yeah. I, don't know, I always thought it was the, the most, just because of how much attention it pays to these weird... Side stories. Yeah. Like these weird interests, like the wrestling thing. And like there's the... God, I read all about that too. I didn't know that yeah. was the thing. Like wrestling movies of the 30s yeah. and 40s. Maybe the least Coen Brothers movie is just No Country. 
I don't know. Right. I feel like maybe the least and most, like it's a circle. <laughs> They're right next to each other. Think about it. The least is the most. Because <laughs> that would be the most Coen Brothers move to be the least Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. I found out that the least Coen Brothers movie is A Simple Man because it's not a Coen Brothers yeah. movie. <laughs> it's Clueless 2. That's simple track. <laughs> um, also, randomly on YouTube because it's pulled, I watched a Muppet Family Christmas. Have you ever heard of a Muppet Family Christmas? You have, right? Brent? Oh, the TV special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I had that on uh, illegally taped VHS. Yeah. That's different nice. from Muppet Christmas Carol? Yes. Yeah. Oh. This is pulled because it is Fraggle Rock, Sesame Street, and the Muppets all in one special. Oh, wow. They all go to a farmhouse. They all go Christmas. to, they all go to uh, Fozzie's mom's. Yeah. And the guy from Fraggle Rock, the old guy, has rented out a room in her house. And it's just like an hour-long, sweet little Christmas special. But it's really funny. Yeah, because you get all the characters meeting. Swedish Chef gets really excited because he wants to cook Big Bird. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the Big Bird <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, but, Beefy uh, refers to him as Gobbler Gobbler Humonga. Right. I don't recommend you go on YouTube and watch it, but find it legally somehow. Uh, and then a few that I think Chris watched <laughs> slept off. Um, I watched uh, the Disaster Artist. Yeah, I saw that. I left that one for you. Yeah, there's two more. I think that you're forgetting. Uh oh. Well, how was that one? Uh, Death Star is really good. Nice. Really yes. funny. Would you recommend people see the the room ahead of time? Of course. Yes. But I don't think it's necessary. Okay. I don't think it's necessary, but it definitely... That is what made me laugh for the entire movie, as opposed to just, like, the... The last... The good jokes that they have in there, like, right for it. Right. Because just the absurdity of it all is what is so funny after seeing the room. That everything in the disaster artist builds up to the movie that you've seen before that doesn't make any fucking sense that that happened, mm-hmm. um, and it's like they pull things that you notice watching the room, like the thing we talked about, like Chris R. Um, mm-hmm. They're like what, like like in D- disaster artist, there's just a throwaway line. He's just like, it's like so. There's not another Chris in the movie. Can I just be Chris? He's like, no, you're Chris R. And like, just like keeps going. And it's like that where it's like, yeah, I noticed that too. Like, we're buddies. Yeah. <laughs> that um, Franco is brilliant. Yeah. Though, as Tommy was there. I mean, transformative almost. You don't even really recognize him as James Franco. Yeah. It's so good. The crazy thing, well, I, guess, I guess it makes sense, but, you know, Franco directed it. Yeah. I heard that he not only stayed in character, but directed the movie in character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, directed the disaster artist, the main character. They directed, they made a lot of The Room. Like, they probably filmed 70, 80% of that movie. Yeah. Just reshot it. I I would not be surprised if in the next, like, 10 years, there was, like, a The Room as done by these actors, or at least, like, big chunks of it on, like, the internet. Yeah. I want to see a uh, a Jim and Andy on The Disaster Artist. Oh, man. Well, there's a new movie coming out this year with Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau. Yep. Directed by somebody else. Hmm. It was like a buddy comedy. I don't know. It looks bizarre. I watched Kingsman, the sequel to Golden Circle. Brent had seen it. Brent, not a fan. I wasn't a huge fan, but I, I would recommend it. I think it was a decent action movie. If you come across it somewhere, probably give it a watch. Hmm. I like the action scenes okay. Brent didn't dislike it enough. He's going to let that one go. Yeah, no, I mean, I can I can see that. I can, I can see liking some of the action scenes. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like the the shootout at the end. Actually, I think I the think, big fight with the yeah, three of them. It's yeah. fine. And I think you pointed out the action scenes is like the action scenes were well done. Yeah, you didn't like the beginning one, right? 
I didn't like the beginning one. I thought it was a little too busy. Yeah, choppy. Maybe. Yeah, just a lot of movement. Yeah. It was... uh, has anybody here seen American Assassin? No. No, fucking don't. <laughs> God, that movie is horrible. It's the one with Michael Keaton, right? Yeah, it's so sad. But he's Batman. It is every like horrible. But he's, but he's Birdman. The horrible. But he's Vulture Man. Assassin <laughs> joke trope ever. It's spotlight. God awful. So 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 you would put that below Hitman's Bodyguard? Well below. Man, there's no comedy in this. I at least got to chuckle a little bit. Okay. The other one. Okay. Um, so is this like? Bottom ten, bottom five for the year. Bottom five for sure. Oh, wow! Almost it's worth bad. a watch. Then is it the Great wow. Wall? Wow! It is worse than the Great Wall. Wow! <laughs> it's it's really bad. I mean, to the point where like there were times where I was like, I'm gonna try to say what they're gonna say before they say it, and I was like, bat a thousand. <laughs> it's just awful. I'm gonna say what they say before they say it. <laughs> really bad. I uh, watched other movies too. I'm waiting oh. for you to fill in the, the the gaps. Bright. I saw Bright too. Nice. Way to go, guys. Did you not see Bright? No. Oh, I thought I you saw Bright. I didn't see Bright. No. What did you think of Bright? It's been like critically like crapped upon right now. I liked it. Okay. I thought it was. Decent. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. I don't know what people are talking about. I love, like, I will always give a movie credit for nice world building. And I think and they build an interesting world. To me, like, over the top. They're just like, here, you you're live here now. Yeah. You what, live in, like, Middle Earth, but in... Whenever you can no remove way. the character yeah. who's, like, the rookie, like, explain it to me like I'm not a scientist type guy. Yeah. Is something that I'll appreciate. Yeah. Respect our intellect in a movie about orcs and fairies. And there was some cool shit, like randomly seeing the centaur cop <laughs> in the background. Yeah. Just like moving around trying to give somebody a parking ticket. <laughs> it was real funny. Did you see the dragon? That was like a thing. No. There was a, a dragon in the distance in one shot. It was fun. It was fine. Yeah. Not too long. People don't ever do it. People on the internet have talked about how they make reference to like the Treaty of the Nine Races. And so, like, they went through and, like, counted the ones they saw. So there's, like, still, like, six more, like, five more races that, like, aren't featured on screen. Yeah, there's a sequel, Greenlit, for Netflix. I mean, it's planned as a trilogy, so. Yeah. I think Joel Edgerton is legitimately good as the arc. He was good. It was weird. The Greatest Showman. <laughs> no one saw that. It was great. Does it? Showman. Yeah, I did not see it. Nobody's seen it. Me and I took Chris's girlfriend to go see it. The yeah. only person who wanted to go see it. Me and her and Alan. <laughs> but we all liked it a lot. All three of us. Um, I recommend it. You gotta like cheesy musicals. But if you do, it was good. The lyrics were good. I mean, Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron are obviously The weird, like, big that. selling point for that to me is, like, from the Academy Award winning lyricists from La La Land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's La La like, Land, which that, is known for like the lyrics, don't really jump out to me in La La Land. It's like the music, do, the do, visuals. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Oh, I rewatched that. Too. See that those dudes could have been Raws. Rock, 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 It was really good though. I definitely recommend it if, if that's your. I'll probably end up catching that. So shut thing. your face, David. Uh, I saw Coco, which I know Chris has seen. Yeah. Uh, only because Cassandra asked me last night. I think I listed five Pixar movies that are worse than Coco, and that was it. Hmm. Having said that, it's still a really good movie. <laughs> Pixar just doesn't make a lot of shitty ones. Um, music was really good. Uh, visually, one of the prettiest Pixar movies I've ever seen. Yeah, Gorgeous to watch. Not much to say about it, though. It's run-of-the-mill Pixar. Good. I gave it four stars. Movies. Nice. Definitely check it out. 
Yeah, I put it top of the middle third, so got it probably bottom of the middle third. What do you think? The Remember Me song? Best Oscar? Original song? So, that song, when it is initially played in the movie, I was kind of concerned. Right. And then, the last time they play it, when he's playing it to his daughter, I was like, oh, this is actually a beautiful song. Yeah. And I get it now. But the first time you hear it, it's like jazzed up and poppy. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Why is this like the front runner for best original song? And then you hear it a couple more times and it's yeah. like gorgeous. Is there's it, there are context different... for the movie because the song is yeah. stolen and a guy does like a soulless yeah. version of it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there, are, there are basically four different renditions of it throughout the movie, which is, I think, one of the reasons why I think that it's like pure Oscar bait because there's going to be like a medley of all four of them mashed together. It's either that or there's going to be like some badass Flamenco guitarist that I've never heard of who just does an awesome version of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Coco is, it is what it is. Probably an Oscar winner. Probably multiple Oscar winner. Saw another top ten movie there. I, Tanya. I really want to see that. I want to see that too. Brilliant. Super clever. The acting is amazing. What's the guy's name? I can't remember his name. Jeff Galuli. Nope. Sebastian Stan? Yes. He's amazing. <laughs> Is that person in I, Tanya? He plays Jeff Galuli. Okay. Oh, <laughs> so Janie was... I didn't know, uh, know He's just because of that guy. Definitely giving Meg half a run for money, I think, for, for Best Supporting Actress of the Year. House Janie was fantastic. She has a lot more to do, but really good. And Margot Robbie was amazing. I hear you forget it's Margot Robbie after a while, which, given that she's a drop-dead, gorgeous beauty... Yeah, they do some... That's an impressive feat. feat. They do some... Uh, I don't want to say the makeup or like cosmetic stuff, but they definitely like reduce her in size a little bit, make her look a little more like Tanya, mm-hmm. um, which is weird because she's still like Tanya Harding was huge compared to other figure skaters, like right. thick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was, it was a good casting choice for there. Although Robbie produced the movie too, I don't know if that came about after or before she was cast. But uh, really good, really clever story. Tori stuff. Storytelling. <laughs> really clever uh, storytelling. Yeah, I think the best thing about Itania was how clever the storytelling was and uh, in that nailed storytelling that time. Uh, in a story that's so like convoluted and five different people think it happened five different ways. Yeah. Did a really good job of like breaking the fourth wall randomly when things would happen and like it'd be Tanya Harding telling you like this is what he says happened, this didn't happen. And all the characters doing that multiple oh, times. That's kinda of funny. So you get Kind of a complete story. It made it good because it's not just like it wasn't one sided at all. Uh-huh. Kind of everybody. It's a story about a bunch of dumb people. Yeah, too doing dumb shit. But it was a really, really good movie. Uh, soundtrack was awesome. It made it in my top ten for the moment. Was it a the soundtrack? Was a score or no? Songs? The the score was was fine, but the the soundtrack, the actual songs, oh, the, the were great. songs and stuff. But there are all those songs from like the seventies and early eighties that are fine songs like Barracuda or. Like Den Lizzie, but like we listen to, but we don't love. But like Rednecks, right? love the songs. <laughs> and it was just, it was like constant, like barrage of music like that. It was just, it fit really well. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, great movie. I hope it finds its way into the Best Picture race. I don't know that it will. It's hitting the guilds. Yeah, it's doing well. It's, it's guild play. It is the movie this year that'll benefit from nobody talking about it for a while, and then it hit hard in December. Yeah. Not gonna have any time to fall back. Over. I really want to see it. That's the next movie that Allison's actually excited to go to the theater to see. Uh, Costuming was, was really good too. Mm-hmm. All that was was really well, really well done. One more. 
One more. It's all downsizing. Uh, What'd you think? Very divisive. Not great. Cool. Chow was great. Racist? Not for you to say? Uh, Yeah. I mean, she plays a Vietnamese immigrant, so, mm-hmm. like, a fresh immigrant. So, it's hard to play that not stereotypical. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why does she have an accent? Right. It's like, <laughs> well... Um, but, I don't know. It's not... It is very uh, nail on the head with what it's trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Which isn't, like, as much environmental as I thought it might be. More yeah. just, like, all the problems in the world are tiny. <laughs> like, focusing things on, like, a micro level. I don't know. I was kind of bored with it. Um, that was a movie that I was I lost interest in, though. Maybe. A lot as, as it was coming out. I wonder if it would be better as a second screen movie. <laughs> You know, where it's like, uh, you got that, and you can do your cell phone or your iPad during it. Maybe. Or play a video game during it. Maybe. I don't know. It just, there wasn't a lot going on. Okay. Um, it's a shame, too. Alexander Payne's, I feel like he's on such a hit streak. Alexander Payne was originally going to be directing Wilson, and then he okay. uh, dropped out. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably to do downsizing. Probably to do downsizing. I don't yeah. want to say they failed the execution, because I think they did what they wanted to do. This wasn't a really good. It's one I'll probably, despite you know, I'm the only guy who listens to you guys when you say you like or dislike movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably still catch this one just because, like we said, I I really like the concept. That's I'm why not, I still saw Bright. I'd recommend it. I gave it I gave it three stars. Yeah. I just when I first saw the first trailer, I was like, oh my god, this might be my favorite movie of the year. Like this yeah. has a chance. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Kind of is what it is. If it doesn't get awarded anything, I'd be fine with that. Gotcha. That's it. That's it? That's everybody? It is. Yup. So what happens after we all uh, do our... It's been so long, our watch list again. Oh, we normally do Breezy on the Streets. Breezy on the Streets. Quick, quick little Breezy. Quick Breezy. Uh, anyone got any Breezy? I was going to have you run us through some of the highlights of the award, the Guild Noms. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, this week... The highlights, anyway. Uh, Writers Guild and uh, Producers Guild came out. So... Our Directors, too, came out since we've last That's right. Our Directors Guild, as well. The PGAs are... Uh, uh, the Producers Guild, for anybody who cares and doesn't know, are a really good um, look ahead at what gets nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, it's about a 88%... Uh, Correlation. It's also really easy to pick the movies that aren't going to get nominated for Best Picture. Yes. Like Like, last year it was Deadpool. This Uh, year probably Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, yeah. Um, Um, So just so you know, uh, it was The Big Sick, Call Me By Your Name, Dunkirk, Get Out, I, Tanya, Lady Bird, Molly's Game, The Post, Shape of Water, Three Billboards, and Wonder Woman. First time there's ever been 11. Yeah, there was a tie. I've seen 90 movies released in 2017. I've seen three of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful it's about... It's infuriating. <laughs> like, I fucking hate this. I wasted a lot of time. <laughs> I'm hopeful about The Big Sick. It's actually hitting on the, the, the ones I would hope. Like It got Writers Guild. It got uh, got this one. It actually got a uh, art direction for Contemporary. Yeah. And it got uh, in a smaller one. The Makeup Hairstyling Guild came out Friday. Yeah. And it got uh, a nomination there. Nice. I think it got two nominations. The Art Directors Guild is weird. Uh, it's kind of grain of salt with those nominations because there's three sets. 
Yep. There's five fantasy. Five contemporary and five period. Yeah. So there's 15 nominations, really. Yep. Um, but, yeah, Big Sick, Molly's Game, Wonder Woman, and uh, those are all ones that are PGA noms that could fall out of the Oscars, I think. Yep. Then we have five or six that are locked in, though. Yeah, this is the first guild that Call Me By Your Name was in. If it didn't get nominated here, it was going to, might be the end for it, its run. But. And yeah, Writers Guild came out, and that also has, uh, that's got original and adapted, just like, uh, Oscar. Just like Oscar, but their rules are a little different. Uh, one thing is that, like, three billboards didn't get in, but you have to be a guild member to be nominated. That's why Pixar, they don't have their writers in, so Coco's not in here. That's why Inside Out got a nomination, but was not a WGA nom. The biggest one to remember is uh, Tarantino. Tarantino's got two Oscar wins for that. He's never won a WGA because he doesn't want to join the guild. Yeah. But uh, original screenplay was Big Sick, Get Out, I, Tanya, Lady Bird, Shape of Water. And adapted is Call Me By Your Name, Disaster Artist. Nice. Um, Logan, which is really fun. Solid. That was, that was a surprise. Uh, Molly's Game and Mudbound. Nice. I, I want Netflix to have something in there. Yeah. That'd be cool. Mudbound's got now Writers Guild and SAG for Best Cast. SAG mm-hmm. one is... And Mary J. Blige is a pretty important one. Yeah. She's, She's been getting everywhere. She's yeah. gotten SAG as well. And yeah. Golden Globes and whatnot. So it's starting to come into play. All the little guilds. The biggest one still to fall, DGA, Director's Guild. That comes pretty close to the nominations, but it's like every single movie, every single nomination but one has been nominated for an Oscar since the field expanded. Yeah. And that was like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Hmm. But that's like 98%. Yeah. <laughs> so if it's in that top five there, and those people are, are, you know, four out of the five, usually always go on to be nominated for Best Director. Right. Do you want some updates from uh, from the actual from the actual Academy? Sure. Uh, I've been kind of sleeping on this. I know I've been doing updates for a while. Um, Ten movies left in visual effects. Uh, Seventy original songs were submitted. One hundred and forty-one original scores. Uh, we're down to only seven movies for uh, makeup and hairstyling. Um, and then uh, I know that I'm close with ninety movies seen this year, but three hundred and forty-one movies submitted for uh, best picture. Nice. <laughs> Everyone really swings the fences on that one. <laughs> I know it may be pretty granular, but if you're interested in like winning a nominations pool, like if you do Gold Derby, you can win like a lot of money if you beat everybody else. Cross-referencing some of those like short lists, like the mm-hmm. makeup ones with who gets nominated by the makeup guild, and see the crossover there. You know that it's often pretty helpful. Same with visual effects. Yeah, the VES guild will. Uh, come out before the nominations and cross-referencing that with the 10. See what's on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that for uh, for makeup and hairstyling, which is, you know, the the award that uh, made it Academy Award winning Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. uh, we do have Bright as one of the seven. Yeah. Bright, Darkest Hour, Ghost in the Shell, Guardians 2, I, Tanya, Victoria, and Abdul, which is the first time I've heard that in a while, and Wonder. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like Wonder's going to be in there. Probably. Just, you know... Kid with a deformity, yeah, disfigurement. If three hundred and forty movies submitted for best picture consideration is like, does I'm that mean like Emoji Movie did? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I want to see if they have the list up here. To see I want to know the what the worst, wall. the worst one that did and the best one that didn't. War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> 
did. It's the worst one that did. It's the best one that did. Netflix probably did it for all theirs. They're yeah. they're really like they really want an Academy Award nomination real yeah. bad. Hmm. This is the thing that pisses me off is that you could be eligible for any Academy Award as long as you start your seven day run in an L.A. County theater. Uh, by midnight on December thirty first. Yeah. So. so Eleven fifty nine. Yeah. 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 And besides that, only other breezy thing I had is uh, just a small one that there's going to be a hour long special on HBO coming out this year. That's a flight of the Concords. I saw that. Yeah, Jermaine Clement confirmed yeah. it. Nice. I, I, I love this guy. I love that show. Even Reese Darby's becoming his own little star. Oh, yeah. Their stand-up before the show was always funny as hell, I thought. Yeah, it's yeah. hilarious. The songs are great. And the show was really always really creative and imaginative. Yeah, it was a great job. Uh, staged that. I'll just throw out real quick that uh, I saw the trailer, new trailer for Game Over Man. Have you I, seen I, the trailer for this? It's the new Workaholics guys. Yeah, it's basically Die Hard, but with them uh, as the... They're trying to save Shaggy, the rapper, <laughs> from terrorists. Nice. And it looks really funny. Fun. Uh, well, I got, I got another one on, on, on a downbeat. Uh, Paul Haggis, you guys know who he is? Yeah. Gonna be wondering, uh, Crash? Yeah. Uh, is uh, another person with allegations of sexual assault. Four women have come out uh, about him. Including rape. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I, almost, yeah, I, I got a tracker. Like each breezy, like the misconduct tracker, and he's he's the the biggest one. Yeah, SNL had a joke that's funny because it's true kind of thing, but like it's that time of week on Weekend Update where we put calls in our like sexual assault advent calendar. It's like these four this yeah. week. It's like God, they just keep coming, man. I think also Brian Singer. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of allegations this week. Director oh, yeah. of X Men. He he had a few. Previously, also, yeah, he said some lingering ones even like years ago. Yeah, and then uh, from Bright, uh, Max Landis, John Landis's son. Apparently, that's another one of those best kept secrets or worst kept secrets in Hollywood. Has had several accusations uh, that his daddy has covered up for him. Hmm. Um, screenwriter for Bright. Yeah, there's a tr- there's one about Ben Vereen, which is troubling just because he was like always the little kids guy. I always fig- picture him as a. Isn't Ben Breen in Zoobly Zoo? <laughs> Something like Oh, no. One of the Zoobly Zoo animals. <laughs> and then and then we will continue to not mention any of the background behind, uh, apparently, Danny Masterson. There are more allegations of rape. Yeah. yeah. We don't know any of the circumstances surrounding that because we'll get sued if we talk about them. <laughs> he just keeps getting fired. By, like <laughs> It's like, well, there's no more shows to fire him from, so now his agency dropped him. Yeah. <laughs> Well, to end Breezy on an update, <laughs> I've got one more little bit. None of us were accused of anything this week. <laughs> the early contender for best trailer from 2018. Has anybody seen the trailer for A Quiet Place? John Krasinski directed, starring him and his wife, Emily Blunt. No, you told yes. me to watch it and I didn't. Yeah, yeah. same. <laughs> Check it out. It's uh, really, really good. Yeah, it's on my list of best trailers of 2017. <laughs> Why? Because I saw it in 2017. Okay, jackass. Like 2018 movies. You said the trailers. Sl- you said the Slenderman trailer was really good, huh? You said the Slenderman trailer was good. 
No, it was awful. I mean, it looked good. It was just horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to watch that movie. It's the most nope movie ever for DJ. Well, the first thing, just to give Chris a thing, the first scene is just like Needle and I. Oh, that's the no. first part of the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I was, it was almost like a checklist of like... Yeah. There was like slicings, an eyeball. It is the talkie Checking talk. for fingernails and <laughs> teeth. Is this going to be on the talk of shame for a movie that none of us want to watch? I'm not. I won't see it. This won't. Not happening. That'd be interesting. A talk of shame. We all talk about a movie that we'll never see forever. <laughs> One that we haven't seen and, and we'll never see. And we'll right. continue never to see. Well, Let's put every movie into some talk of, like, the talk of shame, the talk of fame, or the talk of meh. I, I've got a nominee. It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the talk of Krang. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's all the jokes. <laughs> Done. <laughs> if we're out of jokes, that means it's the end of the podcast. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I just want to tell you guys, this was Talkie Talk. The podcast for the media about us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter, Gmail, our Facebook pages, and groups. We'd love to hear from you for podcast topics. Please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. I want to say thanks to the Willow Walkers for the intro music. Thank you. I want to say thank you to Blue Reefer for the outro music. Blue Reefer! I want to thank, say thanks to you guys for doing this. It was fun to, doing it after a uh, hiatus. Season two. Season two. Season two. <laughs> yeah, welcome to season two. New year, new us. And thank you, dear listeners, for dear listening. Goodbye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things that I know Hey. <laughs> Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You just hear Marsha screaming, Greg, 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 from the other room. <laughs> <laughs>